Welcome to Out of the Technicolor Closet, a podcast promoting inclusivity and understanding for the LGBT youth of today and tomorrow. We are your hosts, Ling and Stephanie. This is sponsored by the Out Center located in Benton Harbor, Michigan. So today we're going to be talking about drag queens and kings and how they came to be celebrated in mainstream culture. And I know it's going to probably be more so the drag queens, but we'll at least get to touch upon the kings as well because they're starting to be more introduced in today's world. Yeah, yeah, they are. But first we're going to hit on like exactly when drag queens and the whole drag culture in general was started when it first came to be or even the idea of it came to be even before the name drag or drag queen became a thing Mm -hmm. so in the 17th century when shakespeare's plays were first performed at the globe theater in london only men were allowed to take part in such productions as they were in religious rights so when plays included female parts the male actors would end up having to dress as women to fill the void because they wouldn't allow women to act Mm -hmm. oh yeah some reason i was gonna say i remember just hearing about this and i think in school when we were talking about shakespeare and everybody was kind of like oh okay that's kind of weird um well because then it's like they have to play both the male and the female parts and a a lot of shakespeare um plays like look at romeo and juliet exactly (laughs) that's i mean which again totally fine but at the same time some people might be like didn't expect that. Yes. There was, a, there was probably a handful of romantic scenes, which there is in Romeo and Juliet. I had to read through the play once. Mm-hmm. And imagining two very heterosexual men that are very afraid of homosexuality at the time, acting that out, it kind of made me question, like, are you are you really afraid of, of gay people? Or you exactly. Just, you know, it's interesting, really. Mm-hmm. To think about it. Mm-hmm. So the word drag, the prefix of drag queen was speculated to come about from how actors would discuss their costume dresses dragging across the floor. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I have to put on this drag again. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So after a while, though, drag started to eventually become its own form of entertainment in America in the 20th century, in which it was classified under the name vaudeville, which ended up aligning itself with kind of a parody form of burlesque okay so it was along the lines of like how you would usually think of a burlesque performance Mm -hmm. um except it would be men dressed up as women instead of women dancing solely for men yeah so the first drag queen created from the vaudeville form of entertainment was dubbed julian eltinge eventually surpassing charlie chaplin in terms of popularity as an actor so he came from only like small beginnings Mm -hmm. as a vaudeville performer and then he slowly worked his way up through the ranks of acting and whatnot and performance and got recognized as an official actor okay which is pretty cool yeah that is cool especially i'm assuming with that time that was not really a thing yeah Mm -hmm. which i'm pretty sure not many people were like thinking about it that much because he was probably doing it from a comedic standpoint yeah totally so Dressing in drag didn't become intertwined with the LGBT plus culture, though, until the Prohibition era in the 1930s. Drag queens took advantage of the underground bars and speakeasies to express themselves freely without outside persecution. After drag culture gained traction in the underground world, quote unquote, a new era dawned during the Prohibition, dubbed the pansy craze. Wow. Yeah. So it was basically like this huge era of not only underground speakeasies serving illegal beer but people who were hunted down by the law Mm -hmm. um lgbt people performing and you know giving entertainment to said delinquents at the time i mean 
That had to have been really cool, though. Probably. Right? Cause it, especially because it's an underground thing. Everybody mm-hmm. has to be discreet about everything. But I'm sure they put on an awesome show every time. Because I feel like when you are trying to go under the radar, you're just going to be like, all right, let's do let's do anything we can here. Exactly. Let's like really put on a good show. Mm-hmm. And just imagining the fact like going into like some bakery, like as the front. Yeah. And then saying like, I'm here to buy braided bread and they let you into this like (laughs) stairway like stairwell and you open the door and it's just like a drag performance here people talking here like this whole thing going on it's like whoa it's like a whole nother world totally which must have been so cool for queer people in that era to be able to not easily access but still acknowledge the fact that there was these little spots these little safe havens Mm mm-hmm And drag continued to be an underground event for a very long time after Prohibition, estimated until around the 50s or 60s. Okay. And a little uh, fun fact during the 60s, in 1966, a member of the Genovese crime family purchased the Stonewall in Manhattan's Greenwich Village, which would then become a hub of gay culture and the epicenter of a series of riots in 1969. Whoa, that's cool. I know. I mean, mean, obviously, like the whole rioting thing, that's... It was probably not like the safest place to be at that yeah. time. But at the same time, like that's cool that they're the ones who got this going. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to think that the platform in which we were able to gain so much traction and relevance when it came to politics and the public world knowing about our community was kind of given to us by a, by a mafia <laughs> or a crime syndicate and it was kind of like oh yeah we're not we're not bad people but we're kind of working with these yeah. bad people but. but at the same time i mean think about i guess the world at this point mm-hmm. 60s and everything anybody part of the community had to be discreet about everything so you kind of had to use these outlets of maybe unfortunately kind of shady people yeah. to start something up so that way you can continue to be discreet so that way you are not being discriminating against. Yeah, which it probably was really hard for people involved in that community. In, in, it must have been really hard for people involved in our community at the time because of the fact where people would align you mm-hmm. with people who would do things illegally, like kill people, rob people, so on and so forth. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm just trying to be free. I'm just trying to express myself. Which is always like going to be a difficult thing yeah. because if there's plenty of people out there who are still to this day like, oh, I don't accept you for you. And then this almost would give them another reason to be like, oh, see, that's why we shouldn't. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. This but- only happened because you weren't giving us the ability to, you know, be ourselves. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, back on to the queer history lesson. A queen going by the stage name Flawless Sabrina spearheaded the act of creating pageants for drag queens, much like regular beauty pageants, you know, Mm -hmm. that you see throughout, you know, your old town or during your school time. She was constantly arrested for her self-expression, though, during the time. Police even went to the lengths to arrest her during an interview being broadcasted on live TV. Uh So... She got arrested on TV? Yeah. Like, oh, come on, man. Like That's least... what my sources tell me anyways. But That's whack, though, if that is the case, because, like, l- let the person finish their exactly. interview if, or something. <laughs> like, at least be patient until they cut to, like, commercial. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Yeah, no need to make, an, like, a scene in mm-hmm. general. Yeah. But Flawless Sabrina really kind of paved the way for a lot of what we see now in, say, RuPaul's Drag Race, which is basically a 
a very, very, very dramatized beauty pageant for Mm -hmm. queens. And just thinking about the fact that somebody was smart enough to come up with the fact like, huh, so we have a handful of either queer straight men that like to dress up as women. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're doing these performances, so on and so forth. What can I give them? What can I give to my little group that can make us not only become more normalized and give us a better platform to express ourselves, but is also fun. Yeah. And they created drag beauty pageants, which is amazing. And fun, but it's just like so much fun. I don't know if you've ever been to a drag show or... I have not. You but haven't? I've, I have not yet. Okay. I'm planning on going to one. All right. Um, are there some in the area? There are some in Grand Rapids. Okay. So you have to be like 21 or 18, 18? usually okay. to get into the to the bars. Okay. Didn't know that. Look at that. I was going to say, see, the ones that I've been used to going to um, in the past have been in Boys Town in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So it's usually a 21 and older um, bar or club or whatever. But they're so much fun. Yeah. And by the way, the majority of the men that are dressed up in drag look way better than a lot of women, too. And I'm like, what is this? This is not fair. (laughs) (laughs) I work so hard. (laughs) What are your secrets? Please tell me. Really? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, you put on makeup like way better than I do. So good for you it's like please <laughs> advice like, queen a little jealous <laughs> yeah really uh, so after flawless sabrina paved the road for many queens in the future drag ball culture was eventually formed in uptown manhattan in neighborhoods like harlem and washington heights in the early 1970s so in case you're not aware drag ball culture is um basically like an underground lgbt subculture in the u.s and people either like walk or dance for trophies and prizes at events known as balls. And said balls helped pave the way even more than Flawless Sabrina did for such things like RuPaul's Drag Race. So there was more of a kind of goal set Mm -hmm. at the end of said show or goal set at the end of every said drag competition. Mm -hmm. So... Drag balls started to become like more and more like, oh, did you hear about this happening? Did you hear about this happening? And it started to become kind of like not really a huge thing, mm-hmm. but still like there was whispers going on about it. And okay. you heard about it in one way or another. Yeah. Drag queen culture started to hit mainstream culture after Tim Curry in 1975's Rocky Horror Picture Show debuted as Dr. Frankenfurter, who was said TV show's drag queen. Mm-hmm. So if you know anything about Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's kind of like... Awesome. Awesome, <laughs> to say the least. But it's kind of on the uh, on the nose sometimes. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But it, it's a really enjoyable show, and I feel like it brought to light a lot of different viewpoints mm-hmm. for a lot of the viewers so that they wouldn't... It was a lot different than what they were used to at the time when yeah. it came to certain shows. Um, well, this show... I mean, this show to, to today is still one of those shows where you're like, what am I watching? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's almost like it's like a cult classic at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine because it was back in 75 when it was released. Yeah. Although I feel like that was a time when more of the LGBT community was being... Um, the up and up. Yeah, it was like yeah. being introduced more or at least like everybody was starting to get more familiar with it. It still probably was a little like, what? What is happening in this movie? I'm confused. It's like, excuse me? Uh, yeah, no, exactly. But um, still entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, and they recently remade it. 
I remember watching the um Oh no, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. No. <gasps> Who was in it? Um I know like Laverne Cox was in it. Okay. Oh, okay. And there was a the handful of others like uh I think either Adam Lambert or Miranda Lambert, one of the Lamberts. One of the, I would think that it would be Adam, Adam Lambert. Yeah, probably. He's awesome. He's great cuz Miranda's a country singer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so good. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because it came out a few years ago and I wasn't as uh, educated when it came to Rocky Horror Picture Show at the time. Okay. So I watched the remake first. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching that debut on TV, my mom was just kind of sitting here like, oh no, here we go again. And I'm sitting here like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm going to go in the other room. And I'm like, okay. And glued <laughs> to the TV for the next hour. I mean, it's just entertaining. And yes, it was Adam Lambert who was in here. And that probably made it even better because any of the singing involved he has an amazing voice yes he does oh my gosh (laughs) i love his music so following the 1970s after rocky horror picture show the 1980s witnessed an even greater when it came to drag and other types of gender expression in music and film through artists like boy george and pete burns oh yeah yeah culture club when that came out oh my gosh uh and i always find it kind of interesting because Growing up in the house that I did, um, with my parents not really being accepting of this as I was growing up, um, my mom loved Culture Club. And I was just like, weird. Hmm. (laughs) I remember listening to them all the time when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, but catchy jams. Yeah. Um, And when it came to parents and LGBT artists, my dad was very fond of Queen. And Uh a lot of people, well, some people might have not, might have not have had the ability to be educated when it came to Queen and their main singer, yeah, Freddie Mercury. He was a gay man, and he was just an icon. Uh-huh, he's totally amazing. an icon. Yeah. And well, when my dad was growing up, he wasn't exactly raised in a LGBT inclusive environment mm-hmm. where uh, when he first saw the MTV video for, what was it? Where he was dressed up in drag. Um. Oh yeah, I want to break free. Yeah, I was thinking it was I want to break free, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, I remember. I jam out to that jam often. So when my dad was younger, he witnessed the MTV video for "I Want to Break Free" by Queen, and he was just completely confused and dazed. He was like, "What? Like this band that I jam out to with my friends? They're they're dressing as women? What? Are, oh my gosh, are they gay?" And eventually, my dad came to realize, like, "Oh yeah, he's gay, but that's." You know, that's just another thing in life. Yeah. It's not a big thing. He's he's making amazing music that helps me through maybe difficult times and difficult mm-hmm. situations. And now I get to share that with my kids. Yeah. And it kind of broke him out of his shell a little bit when it came to interacting with queer people, which okay. is great. Yeah, that is awesome. And you got to be thankful for artists like Freddie Mercury or Adam Lambert or, mm-hmm. you know, which who, by the way, tours with Queen now. Um I know. I'm like, yeah. Bless. (laughs) Like, you're just amazing. Um, But you got to be thankful for artists like that because they are, uh, even even if it was a struggle, they were willing to put themselves out there in the world and be like, you know what? This is me. Mm -hmm. And that is an influence to, obviously, the community Mm -hmm. to eventually, hopefully, be okay to say, yeah, I'm like like that too. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's nice to have those influences. 
It's like, this is me, unapologetically. That's right. Me, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By the 1990s, the world was ready to make the drag queen culture, you could say, more mainstream than ever. And none other than the drag queen RuPaul was the one who introduced drag culture and said before underground drag ball culture to the mainstream media even more than it was already even more than it was already known i i feel like he set the bar for that uh, for drag for drag queens (laughs) because i mean think about how many people probably audition to go on this all the time Mm -hmm. and uh, they're already on i believe it's season 11 yeah yeah, that's a long time. It's a pretty long time to keep something like this going, and clearly it has a, a lot of popularity because mm-hmm. they're able to make it this far. I mean, I know so many, so many people, so many of my friends who are just into the show. Yeah. Like, I'll be talking, and it'll just constantly be references. <laughs> and I cannot go, like, three seconds without hearing one of them say, Miss Vanji. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, I watch a few episodes, but yeah. I'm not really that educated. Please help. Yeah. And they just kind of, like, laugh at me and, like, huh watch the show peasant and i'm like oh <laughs> oof, okay need to get on your level with yeah. this um yeah i've only actually caught a few episodes too but it's always pretty entertaining to watch mm-hmm. um and i've even there's like some songs that rupaul has made too that yeah. i've checked out and i'm like these are so catchy <laughs> so yeah he came out in 1993 with his hit single supermodel or you better work and it really catapulted rupaul um as a major spokesperson for drag queens into the limelight for becoming a spokesperson for a lot of drag queens everywhere and he even got his own talk show on vh1 and a morning radio show on wktu the guy's a beast seriously oh my gosh that's like some great success especially for something that probably was not an easy thing to start up you Mm -hmm. know i mean yeah he is who he is and he does his thing and he doesn't seem to care but at the same time Regardless or not, if you're like, I don't care what you think, you still got to kind of like break through and get taken on by the media mm-hmm. <laughs> to have some success in, in it. In the- not only must it have been difficult for him to gain traction as a gay man, but also as somebody who was African-American. Mm-hmm. So he was representing, you could say, two minority groups. Yeah. And he got all of this success. And it's really he's really somebody to look up to when it comes to. Not coming from nothing, but coming from a place where you feel like you might not be able to achieve much based on your background. Yeah, totally. I mean, let's see. How old is RuPaul? He's born in nineteen sixty. Okay, so he's about 58 years old. So, yeah, I'm sure he grew up in a time where there probably could have been like a lot of backlash against how he wanted to express himself. Definitely. So yeah, he's definitely like an iconic person as well because he made the the drag world what it is today. Exactly. And he debuted the show RuPaul's Drag Race in 2009 and now the rest is history. Mhm. Also by the way, he's sassy and I love oh, yeah. it. <laughs> he is so sassy. All queens I know and have heard of. Well, which is great though because that makes it all the more entertaining and fun. And uh, I don't know, it's like a cool atmosphere to be around, especially when you get to experience it, which I hope yeah. you do get to experience that soon, just because it is, it's cool. It's not like a normal show, like, I guess, normal show that you would usually see. 
Mm-hmm. It's better. <laughs> it's way better. But while there is a lot of positivity, there's also some negativity when it comes to other people trying to join mm-hmm. the drag community when it comes to drag kings. Now, drag kings are more of a recent thing compared to uh, men dressing up as women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's women dressing up as men. Yeah. And there is a whole bunch of shows now that cater to drag kings and involve them in the shows but there's also a lot of drama in the community when it comes to oh you can't do this this was our thing first like you know come on sis you got a bunch of drag queens walking around with all that attitude exactly (laughs) like you're poking a business kind of yeah but when you're trying to gain traction in the drag community it's only to be expected that said pioneers or current drag queens that are trying to pay homage to the pioneers to give you a little bit of backlash because they're so used to drag queens and only drag queens. Mm-hmm. They're so used to like this one way of doing their performance. And as soon as there's like a quote unquote invader yeah. into their way of life, they're kind of like, hey, no, this is what we've been doing for like the past 20 years. Come on, man. And I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing when it comes to accepting LGBT people where it's like you got to keep an open mind like why have a civil war inside the community exactly you don't want that like we're already dealing we're already still dealing with plenty of uh, you know negative forces from the outside world so why not just support each other and you know I mean just like what we're trying to do like make everybody knowledgeable of what you want to do and uh, hopefully they'll be able to understand and accept it and Get over their sassiness because it's okay to have more than just the drag queens in, um, you know, in the culture. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen a lot of, I've watched a lot of recorded drag king shows. Mm-hmm. And while drag queens do cater to uh, sometimes a majority women audience, mm-hmm. drag kings mostly specifically cater to a uh, majority female audience and it's also like a really cool thing that i see a lot of straight women interact with so it's kind of like a stepping stone into discovering uh a safe place in the lgbt community not saying it is a dangerous place but saying it's a it's a good way to get into it yeah if you're into such performance shows you could say okay i was actually looking through some pictures and i'm like dang these people do some great makeup jobs, like drag queens or drag kings. It's it's amazing, really, what some of these people can do. Which, by the way, that's talent. <laughs> that's some talent there. I know. I'm. I did makeup once, and I look like um like a classic detective. Yeah. From Miami, like with the Hawaiian <laughs> shirt on, the suspenders, and the beard, and I was like, perfect. I'm gonna delete this. Like, I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> no, you rock that. <laughs> Well, this was really cool. I liked diving into this part of the LGBT plus community because it's something I was only slightly familiar with. So it was nice to kind of learn a little bit more of the history and hopefully they gave you, our listener, some uh, background of this part of the community as well. Yeah. So next week, we're going to be talking about mental health issues and the coming out process. So really hope you enjoyed today's little show about drag queens and kings. And hopefully you know more now than you did yesterday. Hey, thanks again for listening. It really means a lot to us. And give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe to Out of the Technicolor Closet anywhere you go to get your podcasts.